Let's go. You're listening to Making Data Simple, where we make the world of data effortless, relevant, and yes, even fun. Al Martin here. COVID continues. I'm in my office in my basement, as is many of you guys are either listening, maybe on a run, maybe you're able to get outside, but I hope everybody is healthy and safe. IBM continues to do our part. If you get an opportunity, please check out ibm.com slash Watson slash COVID dash response. You can go out there and use an AI tool that we have. It's called Watson Assistant. It's a conversational AI platform. It's free for 90 days. It's free, obviously, during this crisis. It takes complex issues and can resolve them. It's essentially a bot, and it, it supports both chat and speech interfaces. So check it out. Uh, we're doing that along with the dashboard that we already talked about. Today, I'm going to have a great chat uh, with a great partner, President and CEO of Rocket Software, Andy Yunus. Andy co-founded Rocket Software in 1990. He's got essentially products across what I would call the latter-day AI, whether it be data, storage, networks. He'll talk uh, about those in a bit. Uh, and it crosses what I would say hybrid cloud, which is mainframes, distributed, cloud itself, virtualized systems. And the other unique thing, I don't know if it's unique, but uh, I know he does extremely well, is his business and technology partnerships with many different companies, including IBM. Uh, and, and we'll get into that. If that's not enough, I'll just say this. Uh, he's grown to greater than uh, 10 countries. He's got over 10,000 clients. And he has over uh, 1,500 or what he would call rocketeers, uh, folks that work at his company. Andy, welcome. Thank you for being here on the podcast. Thanks, Al. Thanks for including me today. Ultra successful. Congrats on all that success. Hopefully you're healthy and safe and your family's healthy and safe during all this chaos. We are all healthy and safe here in uh, the Boston area. And I'm glad to say across our Rocketeer landscape, about 1,500 people, um, everybody at this point is healthy and safe as well. So thanks for asking. I presume that they're all working at home? Everybody's working from home for sure. So to that to that point, Andy, I would like to get your perspective on this because it's kind of been interesting. I, I think there's a there's been actually a lot of benefits. You know, all these executives, including myself, I hope we seem a lot more approachable, maybe than than we have in the past, and and things have gotten a lot more real. And I think people are a lot more empathetic. Do you find it the same way? Rocket has been founded on these core values of humanity, empathy, trust, and love. Not necessarily the type of um, words you'd expect a technology exec to talk about or technology business to be founded on, but nevertheless, that's what we've been for 30 years. By the way, just coincidentally today, April 16th is our 30th birthday. 30 years ago, exactly today, I woke up, went to a second bedroom in my house and started coding Rocket's first product. So this is a special day for us. It's really interesting that those core values are actually almost purpose-built for today, for, for this moment, treating each other with humanity and each other meeting Rocketeers and our customers and partners, being empathetic to the realities of this situation that, yeah, we all are working from home. The days kind of blend into each other. The hours blend into each other. You really have to 
be empathetic to what people are struggling with right now, whether it's a health crisis or an economic challenge. And so we're, we've been built to kind of withstand this and hopefully help our rocketeers through these really difficult times. And with empathy and humanity and the trust we've built with each other and the love we have for each other, we really, you know, are leaning on those values heavily to get through this. Well, look, I, I was going to save that a little bit, but I'll just say right now, congratulations, 30 years. And I don't know if it's a happy birthday or, but that's fantastic, man. I'm glad you're here. This is, I feel special that you're here on this 30 year anniversary. Thank you for being here. It's not, the way I expected we'd be um, <laughs> celebrating this milestone, but yeah. but it is where we are, and it is a it is a moment to you know look back and to be to me thank everybody who's been a part of this because it's 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 thousands and thousands of people, it's customers, it's partners, it's suppliers, it's advisors and mentors, and rocketeers who have been with us for thirty years or who've come and gone, and you know I I just couldn't be more proud to be a rocketeer at this moment, this moment where we're celebrating what I'm calling our first 30 years. We're actually kicking off now our second 30 years. So version two. So, I mean, how are you celebrating it in, in this remote environment? You gotta be doing something unique. We did have um, some big plans. What we've actually done is we've asked rocketeers to memorialize some of their favorite moments, being, being at Rocket, working with customers, working with partners, working with each other. In fact, if you go to our website on rocketsoftware.com and on the About Us page is a, is a link to our story. There's a nice video which celebrates the 30 years. There's a nice infographic which we've taken a lot of these special quotes and kind of hung them on a, on a tree that's anchored by our core values. So it's really, you know, letting each rocketeer express their celebratory moment the way that they feel they should. And then, you know, look, we have 12 months to really celebrate this 30th milestone and we'll, we'll figure out a way when we can all be together because it's rocket. We'll probably play music together and celebrate in that way. But um, at some point we'll be able to, you know, see each other and hug each other and congratulate each other. But for now it's happening all virtually. One last thing. I, I know that uh, you're also a trustee of the, the Boston Medical Center. One tip that you'd give to our listeners uh, as a result of this pandemic. Look at the tip I give everybody is so much appreciation. Thanks goes out to all the healthcare workers. They are truly, truly on the front lines every day, you know, risking their lives, their health, their safety, their families uh, to take care of others that need it. I just can't thank them enough. And I really urge everybody to do the same. Um, the healthcare workers are the people that are getting us through this right now. And they're doing heroic things day in and day out. That's something that I definitely urge everybody to do. Amen to that. Amen to that. My daughter also is at the pharmacy working nonstop. So uh, kudos to her. Let's talk about the life and times real quick of Andy Eunice. Tell us about your career path, where you started. You, you talked about it. You know, this is your 30 year anniversary. Congrats again. You start writing code. I mean, how did this get started? I want to talk about, you got multiple partnerships, but the partnership with IBM, how did that get started? Give us the, the two-minute version of, of how you started and, and, and now you end up here where you are now, 30 years later. Sure, the two-minute version. So literally 30, <laughs> 30 years ago this morning, started writing a piece of software that I thought that would have value to customers and you know, it was around, in and around DB2. So Al, a technology you and I both know really well. Yes. Uh, 30 years ago, DB2 was newer technology. 
customers in the enterprise space were just starting to figure out if they process all of their transactions in DB2, how will they start to get business insights out of DB2, out of their data? Back then, the uh, space was called decision support. Now it's grown up to be, you know, AI and analytics. You know, it was a really important problem back then. People wanted to write SQL to get results out of their data, insights out of their data, analytics with their data, but weren't quite sure how to write efficient queries that wouldn't affect their operational systems, wouldn't affect their transactional systems. And so the first product that I wrote really monitored all the queries that were being sent to DB2 in an, in a, in an analytics fashion, not in a transactional fashion, and help people understand which queries were going to run better than others, which ones would have a, a more negative impact than others. We try to anticipate that before the queries ran, or at least would shut the queries down if they looked like they were going to be detrimental to their operational online system. So it was a, it was a policy-based governance type technology that would try to predict and analyze queries as people were writing them. And so that was the first product from that. Real quickly, we, we had some success. We had a couple hundred customers, DB2 customers that were using that technology. And those customers approached IBM and said, you know, we, we love your DB2 database. And we use this technology from a small company called Rocket Software. And we, IBM customers, would love to actually see all of this packaged together as one solution. An IBM executive at the time approached me and we created this partnership where Rocket would do what it does really well, which is build really valuable software and IBM would brand it their own and, and together we'd have a, a solution for enterprise customers around the world. And that literally started um, back in 1993, 1994 timeframe. And what started with one product has grown to, you know, well over a hundred products in our partnership today. So that's the, the quick version of the story. There's lots more to it, but that, that certainly, you know, Al can get it started. So where, what does your portfolio look like as it stands today? Our rocket portfolio spans three major technology areas. We have helped customers in the mainframe space. We've helped customers around IBM's power platform, including IBM I. We have a uh, NoSQL database that lives in what's called the multi-value world. So we have a multi-value database uh, technology. So we're very data-centric across all of those platforms. If you look you know, even deeper, we have technology that helps you access data, secure data, you know, manage data, protect data connect that data to the cloud and other, you know, hybrid cloud technologies. And so it's a, it's a pretty robust technology platform. I would say very data centric and focusing on the markets where uh, customers have gravitated toward Z or mainframe power and multi-value. What, what's the vision of Rocket that puts it all together? The current vision, so you know, we're celebrating our 30th birthday. We're we're starting up our fourth decade. Our what we call our Chapter Four vision is to help customers solve problems in a in a hybrid technology stack that that starts with kind of core processing, going back to Rocket's roots around things like DB2. So core processing, and then we build layers on top of that. The way that we 
look at the market is you know from subsystems to security from security to data from data to applications from applications to open source and then from open source to hybrid cloud so it's a layered approach that we have and when i talk to ceos or cios or or technology leaders or even business leaders we're having conversations that fit somewhere in that six layer stack for some customers it's all about the data for others it's about data and security for yet others um, and it's actually quite relevant today it's about the speed and agility around application development and how to bring more open technologies to these platforms and then how to connect them to hybrid cloud so you know our strategy our vision cuts across those three market segments of mainframe power and multi-value and up and down the stack of subsystems, security, data, app dev, open and hybrid cloud. For those listeners out there that are uh, probably new to Rocket, when should I think, hey, Rocket uh, should be somebody I call here for what outcome, what problem, what area of impact that I want to drive? I think we specialize in three areas. One is around modernization. So when you're looking to modernize anything in that stack. So it could be a data modernization or application modernization project. Uh, secondly, around um, optimization. So how do I get more out of the technology in that stack? And then even with some of our customers, it's around operational. Many of our customers have lost skills and expertise, and we can fill in the gap around helping operationalize across those platforms and in, in that technology stack. So really, most of what we're doing with customers today is around modernization, but we still do quite a bit of optimization and, and operational help with our customers. Is it mostly around mainframe, IBM I, and database they're in? If, if you look across our customer set, it's predominantly mainframe. So customer, pretty much every mainframe customer in the world would know Rocket in one way, shape, or form. So that's about two thirds of our of what we do every day, and then the other third is split between IBM I, uh, including you know IBM Power. We're doing a lot more today with IBM Power and the cloud, and then our multi-value uh, technology as well. You know, re really where we started the, the company 30 years ago, and where we've invested, you know, to be honest with you, where others have run away from it is mainframe. We, we've truly embraced mainframe. You know, you've heard us in the past with slogans, you know, Rocket Love Z. Um, we, we are certainly, as others have said, they're going to de-invest in that space. We've actually invested more in that space. And so we really differentiate ourselves in and around mainframe, but still can do the same type of things for you around I and power and other technologies. But I want to talk to you about that. One, I love your tagline, by the way. It says, legacy power is legendary. Can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, where you came up with that tagline, how it applies to your views on the mainframe as we, as we, as we head into the future. We started Rocket 30 years ago when you could argue that the client server revolution started. And in fact, many people highly recommended to me that we, we didn't start Rocket. Certainly the wrong time to start up a mainframe centric company. What I knew and others knew is that mainframe truly does power the world. You know, you're not going to fight the client server revolution, just like other technology shifts that we've seen throughout the past 30 years. We've stayed true to just delivering value, delivering as much value as we can to customers 
who are going to continue to invest in and around mainframe. And so for those that have, they know exactly what you just said, which is this is the one of the most modern platforms around. We at Procket, you know, for example, have been porting more open source to the mainframe than anyone else in the world. We've been bringing modern technology tooling uh, components to that platform. We've hired scores of young talent, you know, high school, college, graduate students who are excellent computer scientists and they're productive immediately on the mainframe. So the mainframe is as modern as you want it to be. A lot of the, I would say, press that isn't as informed, we'll talk about mainframe as old and antiquated. In fact, you, you may have even seen some of those articles in this uh, COVID world, but in fact, it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy, which is if you don't invest in anything, mainframe or any other computing platform, it will atrophy. So what we did about uh, two years ago, when we started putting together our vision for our fourth decade, is we wanted to just tell people the legendary stories that happen each and every day with people using mainframe computing, um, whether that's in the financial services sector, government sector, insurance, healthcare, uh, manufacturing, retail, you know, amazing things happen every day on this modern technology that just happened to get started, you know, over 50 years ago. We wanted to tell those stories and we came up with that provocative tagline, which is, look, you know, legacy is actually a positive thing. If you, if you think about legacy in its most positive way, it's, it's things, people that have done amazing things and pass that on to the next generation and the generation after that. And that's what the mainframe has done. It's, it's a legacy platform in the most positive sense of the word. And it has allowed businesses and people in those businesses to produce legendary outcomes and impact in the world every single day. You know, that is what our tagline is about. And again, I would say in a bit of our contrarian way, we're using the word legacy and many people have recommended we don't use that because it's a negative term and we're flipping it around and so you know what, it's actually a positive term. And we're not afraid to say that these technologies, these platforms, these people who have invested so much of their time and their life in these technologies have done and continue to do and will do legendary things in the world with this technology. There is one issue though, one query I often get is, yeah, but it's hard to find people that have an understanding and skills around uh, the mainframe. How are you tackling that? Yeah, we hear, we hear that a lot. Like, to, like anything else, you need a strategy around that. And so what I do a lot is I share with CEOs and CIOs what our strategy at Rocket has been. And so we've been uh, introducing, let's call it the next generation of Rocketeers to mainframe technology in a very systematic way. We have intern programs where we uh, bring the uh, interns into the company when they're in high school or when they're in college or in graduate school. We have training programs. We uh, pair them up with experts, domain experts. We actually can get them productive very, very quickly. We've also, as I said earlier, we've been bringing open source languages and tools to the platform. And so when a next generation rocketeer looks at the mainframe, it actually looks and feels like anything else they've ever seen. You know, If they want to code in Python, they can. If they want to use Git as their repository, they can, You know, just using two simple examples. 
it's about a strategy. It's about training. It's about recruiting. It's about, you know, agile development. It's about languages and tools that are familiar to them. It's not about 50 year old technology. And I think that's kind of the biggest misconception out there. Coming full circle, the crazy time that we find ourselves in right now. I know that Rocket has your own response to COVID-19. I started out with, you know, IBM, a couple of things that we were doing at IBM, and we've had a couple of podcasts that talk to our response. I know you have your own response and I want, and even some offers to the listeners, the community. Uh, I'd like to give you an opportunity to talk about this. We're thinking about helping our customers in three dimensions. The first one is around skills and expertise. So where there's an acute uh, need, uh, maybe there's a gap at our customer site around certain skills and expertise. You know, as an example, we've been talking about mainframe. If a customer of ours feels like uh, they need a little bit more help in and around mainframe, they may have lost some senior level skills. They might even want some advisory services to help them understand the gaps that they're facing. You know, that fits in that first bucket, skills and expertise. The second bucket is around products and services. So we we have some offers such as a, um, you know, our terminal emulation technology, which interesting to think about in this COVID world as everybody's now remotely connecting from home. There are still many businesses and many lines of businesses and, you know, people who needed to be in an office and actually physically sitting in front of a, a machine in a desktop in a terminal. And so bringing that remote access all the way into people's you know, bedrooms and living rooms and, and dining rooms is something that many of our customers needed. So we, we have a free offer on the table for, you know, as many remote access licenses that people need um, they can get for the next six months. We also helping people move along on the modernization track on mainframe. So all of our open source languages and tools have always been free, uh, but we're offering free maintenance so that our customers who are making use of that modern technology get free 24 by seven support in this time of need. And then the third area is around technology and innovation. Um, and quite frankly, what we're doing there is leaving it open to the customer. Um, we will spin up an R and D team in and around whatever is important to the customer. So where you need technology today, where you might need some innovation today, our team um, can put together a little, you know, little working group, and and provide you with some training if that's what you need but ultimately all the way up to you know we'll do the actual coding and delivery for you so skills and expertise products and services and then technology and innovation those are our three um, three prongs to our covid response for our customers and that's on top of what we do every day which is we're here 24 by 7 to help any customer through any problem that they have now, the 24 by support, is that against any of your products right now, or how does that work? And how long does it last? 24 by 7 support for everything in our portfolio. You know, if you're a Rocket customer, you, you know this already. Um, you know, even if you, you know, forgot to pay your maintenance bill, we're still there to answer the phone and to help you. We're, you know, go back to our core values of empathy and humanity and trust and love. We're here to help. Um, our support engineers obviously can help you with our products. We can also help you with technology in and around our products. So even though it's not necessarily a rocket product, you know, if it's DB2, if it's IMS, if it's Kicks, if it's, if it's IBMI, if it's AIX, you know, we can help you through that as well. So our support team truly lives our values each and every day. Um, and for anybody who's called Rocket Support, you, you, you know, that's how we, you know, how, that's how we've been built. That's how we've grown up. And that's who we are today. 
So on the technical innovation, I mean, explain that a little bit more. You talk about coding and helping deliver. I mean, I mean that sounds like like free developers. Yeah, I'll tell you a little backstory. So about eight years ago, we started a hackathon that we brand have branded Rocket Build. So Rocket Build came alive about eight years ago. And that's where we encourage all of our engineers, the company, to take time out of their day-to-day, take a step back and innovate, create something. We do this for one week in every one of our R&D labs around the world. And then we do it for one week in our kind of global hackathon. So Rocket Build is our, you know, kind of our innovation muscle within within Rocket. And this technology and innovation offer is, you know, we will spin up a Rocket Build team around anything that you, you know, our customer partner feels is needed right now. So we will pick the right group of Rocketeers. These are typically small groups of four or five people. And they're available to you to hack on what it is you need hacked on. If it's data modernization, if it's something around, you know, app dev or hybrid cloud connectivity or open source. Um, And so it's really taking this formal rocket build hackathon structure and spinning it up ad hoc for when and where our customers needed. It's kind of rocket build comes to you, (laughs) if you will. You bring us the problem. We will deliver you the solution. Is this a COVID-19 type of problem or are you, is this like st- I mean, something you're going to start up and do indefinitely? Well, Rocket Build has been around forever, but doing this kind of on demand as our customers need it, where they need it is, is new in this COVID-19 world. As we sat down and said, you know, where can we really help our customers? Look, we have, mm-hmm. we have the world's experts around these technologies. So let's put skills and expertise on the table. We have products and services that our customers need. Let's put that on the table. And you know what? We have this rocket build muscle that we formally do a couple times a year. Why don't we just spin it up on demand and, and see, you know, kind of who comes our way and what they need. So uh, so it did come up in this context of uh, COVID, but we'll see how it goes. And, and this might be something that we could offer customers, you know, beyond this. So I'll have to get back to you on what happens right. next six months, you know, 12 months, 18 months, however long we think this is going to go on. Very good. So training, you've got uh, some some products, whether that be the terminal emulator. I think that's called Blue Zone Web. Is that right? Yeah, Rocket Blue Zone Web is the name of the terminal emulation pro- uh, product. The uh, you know open source maintenance offer is there as well for the services piece, and then kind of the open offer around our Rocket Build, our innovation and technology muscle. Is there anything on the Rocket side? in terms of product offering the, uh, the the COVID pandemic we have today that we've not stated that you'd like to make sure that the listeners hear? You know, the, the I think I've covered most of what we've been hearing from customers. There, there is one other area we, we do have, in addition to the businesses that I talked about, we have a, um, a secure file transfer business that is mostly used in the manufacturing space getting, you know, engineering specs from, uh, you know, an OEM to their suppliers and getting the designs back in an efficient, collaborative way. And uh, we've actually been called into some essential businesses who are, you know, now manufacturing new parts and equipment around healthcare, you know, ventilators and, and things like that. And so, you know, we, we've been working closely with our manufacturing customers. So, 
that's a that's a business that most people don't know Rocket is in. It's it's a something that we started six years ago, so it's a newer business for us. But our manufacturing partners know us really, really well, and they're leaning on us heavily in this COVID world to make sure that engineering specs and designs flow seamlessly, especially for these essential businesses. Great. All right. Sounds good. And you said rocketsoftware.com. Is there any other place that you would direct our listeners to to learn more about Rocket? Start, start there. Look, we've got, you know, we're in every social media channel. We're got, we're on LinkedIn, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, but you know, you can, you can start at uh, rocketsoftware.com and all of the important links will be right there on the, the homepage and that gets refreshed often um, as new offers get put together and as we're learning more from our customers. So I can, you know, really um, urge customers to come back and look at it frequently. That's great. Hey, I got to ask you this one question. It's a really simple question that I should have started with. Where'd you come up with the name Rocket? <laughs> Everybody wants to know that. So the, the, the true story around it is my colleague and I who started the company really wanted to be um, rocket scientists. And so we called the company Rocket, Rocket <laughs> Software. And, and in the early days on our business cards, actually, you know, you would see my name, Andy Eunice, and my title would be scientist. And I thought that was a really fun little play on words, you know, Andy Eunice, rocket scientist, not many of our enterprise software customers kind of got the joke. And so we stopped putting scientists on our business card, but we kept the name rocket all these years. And, you know, it's, it's interesting how these things play out. It's, it's a timeless word. It is meaningful across geographies and languages. And it's, you know, it's a name, by the way, the, the font and the logo, it hasn't changed in 30 years. We've stuck with it all the way through and it, and it's, it's worked really well for us. Look, I get the joke, and that I, I, I tell you, if I give you and Rocket, for that matter, but mostly you, I mean, it goes to both, a compliment, is I think that uh, you're one of the most approachable and, you know, to reuse this word, but empathetic leaders that I've met. What is your secret to success? I mean, how do you look at leadership? The core values of Rocket are not just words. They actually mean something, and so... You know, people ask a lot, you know, what, what is the secret to rocket success or your success? And, you know, it is around, you know, if I just kind of dive into each one of those words, it's around empathy, which is really, you know, putting yourself in the other person's shoes. You know, if it's if it's a customer, if it's a partner, if it's a rocketeer, you know, why is it they need what they need? Why is it that, you know, the performance of the product is important to them or the delivery date's important to them? People, you know, ask for what they ask for for a reason. And if you truly sit down and understand it, you can better deliver to them. So, you know, having real empathy, putting yourself in their shoes, you know, humanity, you know, especially crazy world right now, but it's a crazy world that we live in. It's technology. It moves fast. It's businesses. It, it, it hinges on profits and losses. There's investors that are involved, but at the end of the day, it's people, it's people working with people. And if you, you have to be able to, you know, humanize everything that you're doing and treat people well, you may disappoint them sometimes. You, you may not be able to always every single day step up and deliver, but you have to realize that it's people working with people and that's what makes these things work. You know, you cannot, you know, our partnership with IBM has been going for 20, over 25 years, almost 26, 27 years. That doesn't happen without just, you know, trust at every level, at every moment with every person. 
do what you say you're going to do, not sometimes, but all the time. And then the love piece, which is the one that always throws people off, is you, you have to love what you do and you have to love each other. And, you know, I've been working with IBMers, you know, for 20, over 25 years. And I remember the first time that I was able to go out on stage at an IBM conference in front of 10,000 people, you know, with my guitar and play a solo in front of, you know, all of my friends and colleagues that I, you know, do business with every day. And the comment that I got back from everybody was how, how amazing that was. Look, I didn't play guitar that well. It was, I made a ton of mistakes as I was doing it, but you know, it was me. I was authentic. That's, that's me standing up by myself, you know, behind nothing in exposing who I was, who I am as a person. And people really appreciate that. And so it's, it's authenticity across all of those different, words that gosh have so much depth to them and mean so much but that's what i think the secret to success is and you have to believe in something i mean just to have a business to have a business you know kind of anybody can do that but you have to believe in something you have to stand for something that's what builds culture that's what builds you know a, a company that people actually want to come and work for and you'll find at rocket that more and more people are coming that these words resonate with. They, they want to work in an environment where empathy means something and humanity means something. And it's about trust and it's about love. And when we get together, we're going to play music with each other because that's who we are. You know, that, that's, you know, the secret to rocket. It's not in a business plan, but it's, it's, you know, the best way for that I know to build a business that's long lasting and that ultimately makes a difference in the world. Well, that was well said. No, I can't top that. I'm, I'm, I, I couldn't interrupt. You know, people leave, leave jobs, but they don't leave families. And it sounds like that's what you're creating. I, I heard authenticity. I, I heard vulnerability. That's a Brene Brown, if you read her, key characteristic in, in empathy. How often do you practice guitar? I try to play every day. You know, the truth is in this COVID world, I have not been able to do that. Who's your number one role model today that's not related to you or wasn't related to you or otherwise? Um, I'm going to give you two answers. So, you know, music wise, I, I grew up a big uh, Rolling Stones fan and have aspired to be as, you know, creative and melodic um, and as talented as Keith Richards. So, you know, he's someone that I try to study and learn how to, um, how to play guitar from. So, um, you know, we obviously live different lifestyles, <laughs> but, in, but from a perspective, I love the things he does. I mean, his autobiography, by the way, is one of the best autobiographies I've read. It's, it's, it's so compelling. It's just an awesome story, but he does so many interesting things with the guitar that, you know, I'll never get close to. So anyway, I look up to, him as a guitar player. And I'll, I'll say, you know, from a business side, and I'm honestly not at all making this up, but I've learned so much from uh, Arvind Krishna. I've known Arvind for quite a while. We've worked very closely together. Um, we've spent a lot of time together in, in various business settings. You know, Arvind's one of the smartest people I've ever met. He has taught me so much. And, you know, whether he was the one that ascended to the CEO a chair or not, I would have given you that exact same answer. I've been very, very consistent on that for the past decade. Yeah. Um, he's an amazing person all the way around, but um, he's been an incredible mentor to me. 
Very good. What what I was maybe you've answered this already, but what is the book that you recommend most? Well, I'm going to give you uh, a topical book. I read it in January. A book called Spillover by Daniel Kwaman. He, he talks. He he was writing about these spillover viruses that, that that can jump from animals to humans. One of my neighbors is a friend of his and recommended it. We were at the dinner early January and they recommended it and I read it and and it couldn't be more topical. So it's a bit scary, but it's it's absolutely relevant for. Uh, for today. Um, so spillover, like if you really want to get inside of what's happening right now is a good one. On the music side, I talked about Keith Richards and life, but yep. yeah, another just amazing book, you know, is Bruce Springsteen's autobiography. It's when you read the book, you can just hear his voice, you know, kind of narrating. I know he did uh, narrate the book on tape, but I recommend reading the book and just kind of you know, hearing it in your own head as he tells his, you know, he's just the best storyteller. So it's a, it's a fantastic story. You are truly a music guy, aren't you? I am. I love music. I love playing music. I love writing music. I've always, you know, and I've given talks about this before, you know, being able to exercise both half of your brain, you know, you've got the, the, the music side and the technology side. And I know that's a cliche that they go together, but, you know, that, that creativity, that empathy, that truly, you know, trying to understand how what you do makes people feel is a big part of music. And, and I've brought a lot of that to, you know, what I've done with Rocket. It's it's what, yeah, what you do is important, but how you do it and how people relate to it, how they feel is is even more important. And I think a lot of that comes from the music side of me. All right. I'm hoping that you're going to get a lot of your folks, the 1500 Rocketeers to listen to this. So here's the question. What is something that they'll find funny or otherwise that they probably don't know about you today. Oh boy, what do I, how do I want to answer that question? You probably uh, know it. You're thinking about it right now. You just you don't no, know how I, mean, I I think you know. Well, I'll just you know again just to be kind of topical right now. This new COVID world where you're working from home and you know people kind of get to see the real you, you know, versus what you kind of look like every day within you know, as you're, as you're walking through the halls at work. And so, um, I dress in t-shirts and shorts and I have really long hair right now. (laughs) (laughs) No one who knows me at rocket would ever believe that. (laughs) That's great. So don't they see you on video? You don't, you don't, you don't use WebEx or zoom or otherwise. For those that see the video, right. But I'm talking about the 1500, you know, I'm working with ELP every day and I'm working with, you know, just a few other people, but most of the rocketeers, you know, don't typically see me in this kind of relaxed, kind of let your hair down setting. And, you know, I haven't cut my hair since the beginning of, gosh, I bet in January. So, uh, you know, I'm comfortable if I'm walking around in shorts and a t-shirt and I don't have to have my suit jacket on, uh, but that's how they typically know me. So, you know, it, it would be a surprise if they saw me like this right now. And those that do <laughs> always comment on it. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. <laughs> Yeah, but you know what? It will kind of end where we started then. And that is, uh, look, I think COVID could be a horrendous event that we've had. And I don't take that lightly. Having said that, if there's anything good to come about it is, hopefully it makes us more human. Uh, I think it's fantastic uh, watching a CEO or otherwise and a cat going, you know, by by their head or the kid running up and saying, hey, I'm hungry. I mean, that... It used to be we'd look at that and say, hey, your kid's there. You know, you got to come on. We're working here. But you know what? I've long since preached, you know, 
I learned a long time ago that there is no such thing as work-life balance, at least for me. It's work-life integration. So I think that's normal. It makes us human and, and it, it makes you smile. And I, I hope we learn something from this and we take and, and we humanize what we do as a, on a regular basis. And it doesn't become a one-off. We don't go back to where we were, quite frankly. Amen to that. I'm going to end now, but I was going to ask you, stones or beetles? You're going to go with the stones then, huh? Big, big time, big time. Yep. You, so you don't like the Beatles at all? I don't want to say don't like. I mean, I love George Harrison. He he is one of my all-time favorites as well. I know that's a big kind of religious battle. Uh, <laughs> I'll play Beatles songs for sure, but um, you know, I got kind of that emotional connection to a little bit of heart, you know, kind of harder edge. I just thought the the Stones brought a little bit more of the blues to life than the Beatles did. But hey, you know. You know, that says a lot, though, Eddie. It sounds like you're like a little rebel. You're an outlier, even though even when you say, hey, you know, you could pick Lennon, you could pick uh, McCartney. You go, no, I'm going with Harrison. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely Harrison. (laughs) Not even a question. (laughs) Why is that? You got to tell me. Why? Why Harrison? Because, you know, look, if, if you're comparing the overall uh, portfolio of songs and influence, Although, you know, Harrison, like later on in life, he did a lot of stuff people don't realize. He started a, I think, a movie production company, et cetera. But why Harrison? I don't know. I mean, look, maybe there's that little bit of the contrarian thing going on. But uh, I just felt like, you know, everybody loved Lennon and McCartney. Like, that was it. And, like, I felt Harrison's a guy on the side. He's so incredibly talented, not getting the credit he deserves. Amazing guitarist, amazing guitarist. I don't know. I'd have to, like... You know, talk to my therapist about that and get a little. <laughs> but I think so, you know, I really do think uh, you know. I, I'm not just saying. I think he's so he's so talented, maybe underrated, and maybe that's why I got you know I choose him. So when you so, listen to music, are you one of these guys that throws on the record, or are you are you still are you digital like everyone else? I've got both. Um, I've got both. I'll, I'll mostly because I'm you know traveling or whatever it's it's you know coming off of my you know Spotify or Pandora or something but at home I've got a turntable I love putting on the the actual record and you know hearing you know it's not perfect right on the record it's not perfect I love that imperfection I um you know I know you don't have to put this in the podcast but (laughs) I'm involved at um, Berkeley College of Music here in Boston and occasionally get invited to some master classes so i go into a class with joe walsh and joe wow he was talking about this and he's like you know the problem with music today is it's all perfect it's all digitally done perfect and what makes music beautiful is the imperfection and back in the day it would you know you'd you'd record and it would you know you'd hear this note wrong and that was timing was off and you know what that's what makes these songs and and so i love going back to the you know the, the actual you know, put the wax on the turntable and you just hear it. It's, it's different, but it's like perfect in its imperfection. Look, I'm a music guy myself. That's why I ask a lot of these questions and I'm a hundred percent behind, by the way, I'm putting that in the podcast. <laughs> but the, 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 I, I don't like the perfect either. It's gotta be edgy. It's gotta be almost, you know, off tune a little bit. I mean, I really think that's, that's when it's fun. I'm, I'm with you. So you got to meet Joe Walsh then, huh? That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, Yes, I've got to meet a lot of these musicians who are just, you know, you look up to them and they, they've done such great things with their, in their career. But yeah, I was at a master class with Jimmy Buffett as well once. He was pretty, 
pretty amazing too. So, but I love Joe Walsh. I love the Eagles. Not everybody loves the Eagles, um, but I do. And I love Joe Walsh as well. Hey, uh, we could go on and on. I thank you for being here. This has been a great conversation. And, and for those that uh, don't know of you, uh, they're going to know you now. <laughs> they got a lot of insight with you. So I'm glad you stayed and we were able to uh, get into some of your personal interest and those books. I will definitely check them. I agree with you on, on Arvind. He was my mentor and uh, uh, I learned a lot from him. But uh, look, I'm learning a lot from you. So thank you. I wish Rocket nothing but continued success on Chapter 4. Al, thanks so much. Uh, stay healthy, stay safe. I hope to see you in person soon. Take care. All right. You do the same. And for all you listeners, again, thank you for tuning in. Rate us. Hit me on almartintalksdata at gmail.com. Meanwhile, be safe, and uh, I'll see you on the podcast. See you guys. Thanks for listening to the Making Data Simple podcast, where we make data fun. Be sure to visit ibmbigdatahub.com forward slash podcast to access the show notes and uncover even more great episodes. Remember, the views expressed here are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily represent the views of IBM. Until next time, let's go over and out.